Uh-huh. I ask you first a question. Do you still feel my discourse? That what we shared? Do you notice the effect of it? We talked about serious things. To me, <coughs> to see them as natural law. So how does it feel? Did you like it? Was it of benefit? Nod or wave to me? Yeah. Did it touch us? Was it true? Do you have arguments? You better not. (laughs) You better not. All right, now we can go to the question. Yeah, give me your name first. Francina. Francina. Yeah, I can hear it. Well, wait till it comes. <laughs> we have practiced. The essence of the practice is being present. See who is present then, whether you can be present. If it comes fast, sometimes so accident will be difficult. Hmm? But you can if you have a very kind of lingering long-term sickness and you are long time. You can prepare for accepting it more and you will feel your breathing and uh, you will, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe each breath to begin more appreciative, more appreciating because you know you are kind of having this cancer and it is a limited time. So uh, you might be, the more quiet you have, you must see the process, you might be able then uh, to maybe be a little bit awake when it starts, when the elements start to give up. I tell you how I witnessed and helped somebody dying. Would you like to hear? It was in the Christmas retreat in Damadena some years ago. I have little cabins acquired. The Damadina Retreat Center is on on what is it homesteading land. And at 1955 or six, I don't know when it was, five acre parcels were given away by the pro government to people who wanted it, and the people had in exchange for getting five acre to build a little house, a little uh, eight by eight, uh, and make it a solid building, yeah? Eight by eight or 16 by 16, I don't quite know. One room, and uh, the homesteading buildings. And I, the Medina also, I privately obtained a few, and we offered it as accommodations for those who came to meditation. They were at this, that time quite easily available, $5,000 for five acres with a house. Wow. Well, the house was kind of a little run down, but one room, it had no 
no insulation, no bathroom, nothing. But many now I, we have improved. Hmm? So I rented one out and the $125 a month was benefit for Damadina, for us and for what we all needed. Hmm? And for, our, for the other buildings and the meditation hall and building a new septic, septic tank system and all that, you know, I, I started really scratch. I followed just my teacher's advice. When he said, if you start a center, uh, don't go beyond your means, don't go beyond your capacities. Ten by ten foot room is enough and it's possible, will make it possible for you to start a center. Well, something like that I did. My house was 12 by 12 when I started. We were like Zen students. We ate in the same place. We, we slept in the same place. If this was the room and here the walls, we were sitting and suffering and rejoicing in life. And at night we took the double uh, um, futons apart and we slept right there. In the morning we just needed to get up. <laughs> Good morning. Let's start. I learned that from the Zen Ruhatsu. But anyway, here is my Christmas retreat. And I knew Tom was living in uh, the cabin nearby, maybe how far? Five, two minutes, five, three minutes to walk. And uh, he was given up case because the hospice took over. And then they tell you, you ca they cannot do anything, no medication anymore, just lying down and waiting till the Lord will tap you. And um, so when I not learned of it, I would have, I, I went a few times. He was not meditating. He told me he cannot do that. He w came from an institution nearby where they are recuperating from, from drinking, I think. Any of whatever mischief. And um, so um, I, so he didn't meditate, but he was a very friendly, beautiful, human being, and he comes to me and gives me $125, and he says, you know, Ruth, uh, I really don't meditate, and I hope you're not angry with me or you don't dis or you disapprove. Um, I just feel good enough when I think of you, and when I know you all sit. And that is for me my meditation, contemplating you all. Hmm? So, um, so he didn't meditate. So he, had, uh, so he is now in his hospital bed. Uh, uh, and no, he was on a water bed when I started visiting him. That was before, before Christmas Eve or before New Year's. And the course was kind of full, going, 40 people in a very small room. Um, but before that, I visited him and how to approach him. He was angry. He was uncomfortable. He cried. He screamed. So I said, um, 
um, I told to, uh, I asked him questions and so on, and um, then I said, "You feel, you know, you feel sometimes you're breathing." Mm, I really haven't thought about it. I said, "How about we we do it both together? Hmm? You are you like songs? Why don't you sing me a song or things?" So I wanted to activate a little bit that breath, huh, in him, and so it became. I succeeded to make him realize it's a beautiful thing to, to, to go. And when I came to him, I would say, now let us breathe or let us chant. I had then a tape recorder running for him in the background. It was a Hindu one, Om Namah Shiva. And then I would open all his door windows and then you see, he could see out into the desert just sand and some kind of the original original vegetation is there. It's a 1,500-year-old vegetation. Every bush is the same, called chaparella or creosote. Yeah. Now they are dying because we have an over, have a constant heat and droughts in six years. So anyway, it was beautiful. And then I had incense one burning. And then we take them out of the uh, water bed. It was too wobbly. Hmm? It was in a way good for him also. He could feel that, and I made him rock himself in the water bed. But uh, it was dangerous sometimes when he got out or so. So we got a hospital bed. And um, so he would go through the day, and Sami would go. And it became more urgent. One could see he could less speak, he couldn't speak. He had this cancer here. Tom, I came to breathe with you. Oh, yeah. So it was really, and then mucus came up. At the end of his bed, I had, um, we had flowers and incense. He liked that. It didn't bother him here. So um, I was about two nights not in bed. I would go through the night with him and help him breathing and make him realize one can pay attention. And he didn't say anything. He experienced he got quiet and he liked it, therefore. Hmm? And it got, gave him a good feeling, not so the breathing so much. But I would say, wiggle your toes and stretch. He was always lying like this in bed. And I said, and lift this a little bit, and the, this, and wiggle your toes, only to call his attention to the body, so that the fear was released, was 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 uh, not over, overcoming him. So the second night, not sleeping, I go home at two o'clock. The class began to meditate, and I wanted to have maybe an hour sleep. I can. Can, re- can revive myself as an hour, pretty good. And as I kind of stretch out, I feel very, felt very strange. I felt uh, I related to him. I saw him, and I was very uneasy. One cannot explain some feelings. And I was all dressed. Didn't need to dress up. I got up. And I knew where I go. I didn't see, I didn't even feel the intent. 
and I opened the door and was there. There some young ladies or former girlfriends were there. <coughs> they were already carrying out his uh, belongings. He had given permission to it. Um, and um, the tape record, the, the television and so on were carrying out. And um, one was, they had him set, sit up in a chair next to the bed. They didn't know what to do with him, you know. So, and one tried, gave him a cigarette, because he was a smoker, but he didn't smoke anymore, and that, see, she didn't know what, so she tried, and he was kind of doing it. I come in, Tom, not now, let us breathe, let us notice our hands. You want to do it? Oh! And so we guided him back to bed. And so I started right away. And he would moan a lot. What is it? Yeah, moan. I said, next time you moan, think of your right foot. Then think of your left, of both big toes and wiggle. Then I would touch his toes. He was in a kind of a jumper. Suit or sweatshirt, sweatshirt, dressed, and um, I would take his hand, and I said, "You tell me what you feel." No, and you know the breath became very strong, and um, took over. He couldn't relate actually to it, so I said, um, and he got nervous, very nervous, began to tremble a little bit, and I called always his attention to his body, say, take your hands now and feel your knees, and press a little bit, and let's both do it. Then I did it to him. Do you feel it? Mm. Then I knew he hears and he could compute, but his his, uh, I could feel instinctively, I knew this is his ending, yeah? And so I encouraged, I, I could easily continue calling his attention to the body, that's all I knew. And um, then so it came, that was for maybe for two hours. Then it became more urgent. It was deeper than I called his attention to the feeling when he felt inflated, and he should put his hand, put your hands now when the body, when the chest goes down, and then go away. And when it goes up, go up too. Can you feel it? Do you notice your breathing? I said, go more, feel it more. Feel your big toe again, both thumbs and your middle finger. Think of your ears, touch them. And he would do it. That isn't so fast, I would always wait that he could do it. And then he was a little bit, he lost it. I could see that he would lose the attention to it and immediately was the kind of tremor coming in and the 
hesitancy to do anything, big pain, fear, Tom, go into it, step forward. Think of that, what you feel. Step forward. There is nothing to fear. I can tell you, I see it. The whole beautiful desert is there. The blue sky shining down to you. Feel the warmth of the desert. Do you see the rabbits? All waiting for you. Step forward. Go greet them. Bend your head. Bow to them. And then, that was maybe half an hour, I repeated. I always watched him, what I could say, and became more urgent. Then I knew he was on the road of going. Go, Tom, go forward. Hold your knees. Hold them tight. Take your toes with you. Take your tongue with you and your throat. It will all heal. Step forward into the vast space now. Go through the desert to the vast space. All love is there. Tom, you hear me? Mm. Hold your hands tight on your knees. Go forward. Feel the love of everyone there, of the rabbits, of the doves, of the road runners you loved so much. Feel your own greeting them. Forward. Don't lose it. Don't forget your toes. Don't forget your hands. Don't forget your knees. And breathe with it. There he hooked in and breathe with it down deep to your belly down deep to the earth which carries you step forward nothing to fear then you would lose it again i would encourage it again i could not think and at the one moment something more to encourage him then suddenly i saw him in his mind going moving entering white space, hesitating, nothing to fear. Step forward. Tom, be the leader. We are all behind you. We need you going forward. And then you can tell us, be the leader. He never was a big one. And that moment, you know, this position, he looked up, came forward, Tom, take everything with you, your knees, your hands, your breath, be the leader. And he looked, eyes were open, like he saw something. His hands were grabbing, his face was kind of relaxed, almost smiling, and he went back and it was the last breath. I heard the rattle for the first time, the only time. He followed. And I did never do anything 
But when I read the Bardo in the Tibetan, in the book of the Tibetan death, Tibetan book of the death, they talk about stages of dying and to, uh, uh, in, if you know them you can assist them. I didn't, I just watched him and knew from my own experience. He needs, uh, no, he needs peace, he needs non-fear, he needs relaxing and how to do that my mindfulness and my closeness to his, I could really directly relate. I think he had a beautiful death. We still drive his truck. That was ten years ago. Now maybe not, maybe eight. And my, my, my class, three minutes in, further away in the Medina Meditation Hall, that was Christmas retreat, did continue. Then I went back and told them. But between times I had sent uh, someone who was with me in that uh, 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 around Tom to some uh, two or three very advanced students to come and be with me so they could just be there with their meditation. And you know, then something very bad happened. For me, I, I feel terrible pain <clears throat> because in that time, I think two of the women who had visited him, had given him a cigarette in their terror, had called the nurses from the hospitals or the authorities and they just moved in and to see me another member of our community came to my help he sat next to his corpse now and I said see me you take care and he talked to him I love you Tom I am close to you feel the love Feel the beautiful space, continue floating, no fear, because they still hear that, you know, after they have separated. They actually are still very close around. But And I protected everybody to come close to him, so he had a little bit follow-up in our help. And they just carried him out right away after that and never let that be happening to you. I mean to any one of your members in the family dying at home, ask them to let the authorities give you, the health authority gives you 24 hours for the corpse to be with you in your home. My husband died two years ago when I arrived, whilst that was, um, he died, or I got the news from the from the limousine driver who picked me up in Boston from the airport, telling me that meanwhile my husband had died. He gave me the chance to um, make the choice now to return or to go forward. And I went forward, 
I saw that life had expired, gone, I cannot help. And I stayed with the alive. It was a beautiful retreat. Eighty-five people were there. What guided me, or what supported my strength, to go through that retreat and make my decision, my own husband had given it to me. With his last words I heard from him when I, seven o'clock in the morning, before I went to the airport, went into his bathroom, bedroom. I said, darling, I'm going now for ten days away. Where are you going? Then when he wanted to do something, assert or so, then his Alzheimer's somehow diffused a little bit, his confusion. He got a constant kind of could relate more directly, huh? Almost sanely. Why do you go? Why do you go? He was sitting like this on the edge of his bed. Why do you go? I said, I have a retreat scheduled in Barry, and you know, that was in Inside Meditation Society. You and Ramdas visited together, and after that, I had to give him a, a background he couldn't remember. Hmm? So I gave him where I go, describing that he was also there, and that afterwards, I said, we went into to the Anicca farm, and we were baking pies from the berries you picked in their garden, or something like Oh, he said, did I do that? Yeah. Where are you going? Why do you go? I said, because that retreat is scheduled in Bari, I just told you. Tell that again to me. So I did. Then he would. I said, "Well, it's time now. I have to go. I will give, give." And I leaned over, took his head, and said, to him, "Here's my farewell. Here's my good goodbye kiss. Why do you go? Why don't you stay here?" And I had to go through the whole thing. When it came again, why do you go? I said, darling, I go to, to um, a scheduled retreat. Many people, eager meditators, are waiting for me. And at this point I like to thank you for having helped me for this practice and having introduced me to the Dharma. Oh, yes. Then you would see, did I do that? So why do you go? And I would kind of, in whatever way, make it again. And it was still after that. And then he looked up to me and said, Then go! and tell them 
and he knew why he said it at that moment. He was a monk for a long time. He was a good meditator. He was inspired by the book Experience and Mindfulness by Admiral Shatok, um, who gave a report about his experience with this teacher I went to in Burma. And he had scheduled a journey with me to go there via Japan to have some Zen training before. So he was really to bring, to introduce me to the formal training. And I, um, so at that moment he realized what I am doing and why I go. And I thanked him also before at one point that he always was generous and gracious, bringing me to the airport and letting me go. He said, I share you with the universe. Nobody belongs to anyone. He had that largesse, that graciousness at times. So, I saw something, yeah, at his funeral, which was after I returned from here, from, um, after my retreat. It was a little rushy, everything. I should have scheduled it for later, as I, in retrospect, see. But <coughs> I managed to make a formal funeral service in the company of a few monks from the International Meditation Center in Los Angeles, and with um, Karuna, their their um, main main uh, ma, main nun. She was a nun. She she really uh, actualized that f- service. And many also one part of the ceremony was, which I introduced, um, to take an incense, which the monk then uh, Karuna from the International Meditation Center, the nun, lit for us. And then we started a procession around the open, the open casket. And then at the end, holding this, we back, turned back and we looked into that face of this corpse that just was my husband, 42 years partnership. And we bowed down and as we up, we put down the incense. And then everyone could say goodbye in whatever way. And many, since there were many of my students there, said, Henry, we thank you for having introduced, having given us rules, or have introduced rules to the Dharma. Something like that. I can't quite somewhere so succinct and so that was it always so we had many little eulogies, huh? And not one spoke a big one. So I wanted just to say that um, was also that that um, funeral was also with the open in uh, with open casket, also serving for this service, for this purpose, for those who came to see, 
and to get closer to that reality. And it was a beautiful one. We chanted the name of the Buddha, we walked around, we said goodbye. And then I see myself following the hearst toward the crematorium, cremation, to the cremation place, which was on earth level, on a little courtyard in Palm Springs. And I helped that cart on which the cart bought bought a um, coffin uh, held my held the Henry and I pushed it myself towards the open door of the cremation device big door and I helped to push it further it rolled very automatically, actually, off. I breathed with it. I stood in my own and I reached out with this hand <clears throat> for the door. On that level it was. and. The attendant of the cremation place helped closing it, and then I went to the button, which had to be pushed, pushed it. And then I heard a big sis, sissing, hissing, and these were the flames of the gas pipes of the fire, and I felt them biting and uh, burning up that what was your partner. It was natural. I never felt so genuine humbleness. And real and being present and it was a very general generous generous and genuine acceptance with each breath I established myself in that with each uh, sound that came from the flames with each picture which I saw, flames getting into it. And after two hours or three, I think, it was finished. I was almost motionless in that time. And uh, And then I received a package that was eight pound heavy, weighted eight pound. It was wrapped in brown paper, 
I took it home. I placed it on near the place where he sat in a rocking chair. And there, along the window there was kind of a narrow table along. On that table he played chess with my photos when I left. And um, there is his package still standing. And my highest reminder for being humble. And uh, integrating myself more into that reality. It's difficult at times, but it always gives me energy. And it feels so comfortable. I have it decorated with with, uh, garlands from my Christmas tree, which are lovely colors, with dry flowers and alive flowers, with the lovely ribbons. And uh, when people come say, Oh, you got a present? (laughs) Yeah, I said, I have a present. When it's appropriate, and in that moment, um, on accordance with that consciousness I am in touch, I, I leave it as that, yes, I got a present. And when it is some friend of closer, I said, you know who that is. That's one way also contemplating. Uh, becoming more close. Can you imagine that? And then, of course, sometimes when I'm very rushy and I, I realize I'm misbehaving, you know, you just have a meditation center. That's enough to get like this. Hmm? Different people. <laughs> receiving globetrotters and global meditators and universal uh, 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 universal uh, um, samsara livers hmm? come for two days or three and uh, cross and are disappearing in the night for a day and a half and then they come back and all of this and I right now have one uh, who, who needs is kind of needs a lot of care. I picked her up from the street, but she is kind of considered to be schizophrenic. She lives in ideas. She's a sun, a sun worshiper. Doesn't like clothes, of course. She has everything stripped, and she walks around like that, like. gave her and saw for her actually when guests come and she she trains a little so when I'm like that and uh, and then I just turn around do this relate through breath and it balances again (laughs) 
it's natural, different form now. People go with the ashes to the to the ocean and distribute it. Some have suggested to me to take it in the garden. No, I I haven't done any. It just is fine there. Well, that much about being attentive and integrating this feature, this natural law, which will allow us to fall and slip into what the Buddha calls wisdom, mind. When you are integrating and understanding deeply and not anymore ruffled by the dukkha, by your ego-centeredness and by the changes here. These are the three, three natural, natural laws by which we are governed. That was my beginning. That was contained in my initiation speech to you. And with that, I end. Well, our time is over for Maha interview, and I spoke again mostly. Isn't it terrible? Are your questions still there? No? See? I got out of it. You got out of it. Who else asked questions? Inve- check it up again. Are they still there? Oh, that's right. The new one doesn't give, is not valid anymore. It's about, it's about Tom. What? It's about Tom. Tom. Yes. But yeah, still. Uh, if everything is impermanent, it sounds as if you were saying something to Tom, as if something was going to. Go Darling, forward. you have to comprehend the moment. I didn't say Tom something. I said it's empty space and love, at one point, but to help him along. So I brought the rabbits in. I knew he loved them. He fed them. And the, all the different birds to make it a little tangible for him. You have so did you think, though, I mean, this is what I'm confused about. Was his spirit, his essence or something going forward, even though the body was gone? Or not, you're not saying that. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Let go, darling. What you say is you... I don't know what you want to know about, you heard me saying it, it was no philosophy there at that moment. It was direct touch with life on primitive level, on a little more advanced level, on a little bit more, and then it went more into space, into love, into, into which you may integrate. Where do you go? Where does that go? at the death. Have you asked yourself? I think that was the question. I would suggest, darling, wait. Wait till you yourself go. Until now we only have reports from those who maybe or claimed and Tibetan masters have done a lot of this, a lot of research about dying. They gave us the bardos, they gave us something to 
to, uh, to work with that are the different stages of dying, they have codified them. But it doesn't mean that everyone is going to do it that way. Most people, unless they're very highly developed, and even then it may go differently. But, um, so, but then <coughs> they, these deaths were induced by con- high concentration powers projecting the life force out, but they were still connected. They could bring it back. So it wasn't a real death. They couldn't afford, actually, to go too far away, project themselves, then they couldn't find back, like I told you about that. That is the way I feel. So, so they gave us these stages, and they are also just they talk of light, maybe so. I talked about space, spaciousness, and love. Light that would for him maybe have been, I would have thought, um, um, I mean, in the, now I feel if I, why I didn't do it, probably intu- intuitively, that would have given him too much con- uh, reason to imagine something, light. Love was closer for him. And I said, there is the love, feel it, which you gave to all of those around you, the rabbits and the road runners. That was more tangible for him. There is no you know, no absoluteness in anything. You have always, despite your highest wisdom, not despite your the, the highest instructions and suggestions and guidelines, there is always the wisdom plays a role. The ability to see right there what is appropriate, what is suitable. How can you sustain that, maintain it, how can you further? That's enough. Do you get it? Was it enough answer? Mm-hmm. Another question, where were the others? Gone? Fine. Mary? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.